Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and today we discuss, well, actually, we'll revisit and update our discussion from our first episode, Our American Experiment Threatened, and get into what we see so far in and around the impeachment trial of the president. Joining me today is the man whose takes may be too heavy to float like a butterfly, but they definitely sting like a bee, Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, you're not going to hurt anybody today, are you? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're recording this on January 26, 2020, and in this conversation, we spend some time on the impeachment trial, and we also look at various issues surrounding the jailing of a Chinese uh, student who was in America uh, and, and sent tweets and for those tweets, they were sent to jail when they went back to China. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s recent comments on his use of blackface and Tropic Thunder, the presence of man-made forever chemicals in our drinking water, and the apparent disconnect between experts and the public with keto diets. Uh, now, you're listening to right now to part one of this conversation, where we try to make sense of what's going on with the impeachment trial. So, on January 21. Uh, the, the proceedings for the impeachment trial of, of President Trump commenced. Now, briefly, impeachment is, I think it's important to understand what it is. It's a political process. It's built into our, our country with the United States Constitution. And what the framers of the Constitution wanted was in case a president was wiling out, basically, and was using his powers in ways that were detrimental to the country, that were anti the Constitution, They wanted some mechanism to to be able to remove him from office and to hold him to account. Um, We have three what are termed as co-equal branches of government, but they're only co-equal to the extent they're accountable to one another. They they serve as checks and balances for each other. So impeachment is the mechanism through which the president can be held accountable through the other uh, branches of government. And so it's something that's political, though. It happens in Congress. It's by Congress, congressional uh, leaders who are the ones who do impeachment. It's not, it's not happening with some prosecutor in the Southern District of New York or in the District of, of Washington, D.C. Um, it's happening with politicians. So th- we should start there. And, and, and what they've done or what, what's, what's been decided, the House of Representatives did an investigation. They determined that uh, the, the president had abused his power and was not responsive to, he was obstructing Congress in its pursuit of the truth of what happened. And so from that, so he was impeached. They voted to impeach him. That means he's been impeached. That's over and done with. Now, the question that remains is whether he'll be removed from office. And that requires two thirds of the Senate to vote to remove him after he has what would be termed a trial. And that's where the House makes their case. The president gets to make his case through his lawyers at the Senate. Then the senators, supposedly, you know, or supposedly serving as impartial jurors, are supposed to vote to determine whether he should be removed. Um, so briefly, that is what's going on. What we saw um, on the on the what was that the twenty second through the twenty fourth of January twenty twenty was the House. Uh, members of the House of Representatives making their case and their opening arguments, so to speak. And then now, uh, the, the past few days, 25th, 26th, and 27th, President Trump's representatives will have a chance to state their opening arguments to it. And then we'll go in and there'll be a lot of issues on whether there'll be witnesses called and so forth. So, But I want to start at the high level, Tunde, um, and really get your thoughts on 
what stood out so far to you in either the Senate's handling or if there's anything you want to talk about with the House also, but, you know, just what we're seeing right now. This is historic, no matter what. You know, like, this is this has happened only a very few times in our nation's history. Uh, and so what, what has been your, your reaction? Yeah, no, there's, um, you're right at that it's historic. There's a lot to kind of unpack with everything that we've seen. Um, I don't know, man. It's first I'll say this is kind of sad. You know, I'll just say that as an overarching feeling, meaning whether one um, believes that uh, President Trump uh, should be impeached or they believe that he shouldn't. Um, like you said, this is historic, and it's sad that the country is at this place in a sense. Um, but uh, it's interesting, man, because I think you, you you said it a lot of things well there. Uh, the, the whole thing about the co-equal branches of government, you know, this just this whole period of time, I'd say just this last few months and getting into this impeachment has had me going back and, and, and just out of curiosity, really, and to try to get my head around kind of the bigger picture, going back and reading uh, some of the history from the founding of our country, also history of the kind of period of time in the world. Um, you look at the fact that the founding fathers obviously were um, descendants, either directly they were immigrants from uh, England and other parts of Western Europe, or uh, they were immediate descendants, meaning their parents or grandparents had come from those parts of the world. So when you're looking at something like the ideas that of, of the founding of this country, the co-equal branches of government were really a, a new idea because at the time, you know, Europe, uh, was uh, in such conflict and constant wars. And there's a military strategist from the time uh, named Carl von Clausewitz who actually made the statement that war is politics by another means. And <laughs> what that means, yeah, basically for the audience is that, you know, if you can't get a, a agree, you know, you just go to war. That's, that's the ultimate kind of final... Yeah, if you can't um, compromise and work with people, then you just you know, you, yeah, you die. Just, who, yeah, who lives you just dies. kill them. Yeah, yeah, or try and kill them and not be killed. So it's the idea that, and I think that's what was the beautiful thing about the American experiment is that you know recognizing the period of time, you know, getting out of the Middle Ages into the Renaissance and, and the Enlightenment period in, in in Europe, that you know there's got to be a better way to kind of do this in terms of societies, governments, you know, managing large populations that might have disagreements. And this was the experiment, the United States of America, um, and this idea of not having a king or a potentate or an emperor, but having these co-equal branches that were accountable to each other. So, you know, let's really start at, you know, not even 30,000 feet, 100,000 feet at that level. And the problem with impeachment is, you know, I think, what is it, in the last 150 years, this has only been carried out in terms of the House actually impeaching a president, I think, uh, two prior times. Correct. So this is only the Which third time. Which was Andrew Andrew Johnson, who um, was the president that came after Lincoln, and yep. then uh, with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Yep. So so it's just the idea that we don't have a lot of precedent here. Um, and like you said, I mean, even the prior two times, one was you know 150 years ago, the other was 20 years ago. So even there, it's not like the the last two presidents were impeached. So we don't have kind of a, a rolling framework of how to deal with this. So and just for the frame uh, or frame of reference, Nixon. He did acts that historians consider to be impeachable, but he resigned basically once all the facts came to light before he had there before the the political process actually the wheels got going and he was actually impeached and removed. Um, he basically saw what was coming and resigned. He didn't want to be the guy 
that was <laughs> going to go down in history is the guy who got impeached and removed. There's an important point that you made, and that and that's really drilling down on the lack of precedent. Now, what that means, our legal system and our, uh, and I say legal system broadly, meaning the way that we interact with each other in society in terms of what's permissible and what's not, um, that is a system that's based on precedent. And what that means is, is that if you cross the street and don't, you know, and, and, and you jaywalk, so to speak, and if somebody did that a year ago and they got, and now bear with me, the examples are, are not good, but they got a $100 fine somebody jaywalks, you get a $100 fine. Then if you do that, and if you then get caught, you should get a $100 fine. Like, because basically the law has said that this is the punishment for this. Or if, the, if you do X, then Y will happen to you. And what that does is it creates predictability. It tries to remove arbitrariness from the process where, oh, the judge doesn't like this guy, so he's going to really throw the book at him. Or he does like this guy, so he's going to try to let him out. Because we see those things in our system now because those are very human elements. Those are very human aspects. So the system of precedent actually tries to counteract that and give some level of measure of predictability and consistency in saying, hey, if you do this, then this is against the law, this is against the rules, and this should be the punishment. Or if you if you say it like this, then it's not against the rules, but if you say it like that, it is against the rules. And so when you look at it from the standpoint of precedent in that standpoint, one of the biggest problems we have now, and this actually is, is, is a, a legitimate problem, this isn't political spin, is that because there's never been a president that's been removed from office for XYZ conduct, nobody really knows what the line is as far as what, is, what constitutes remo removable conduct. Everybody's saying this is what I think it should be. And some are saying, you know, some I would agree with some people who are saying that, and I would, agree, I would disagree with other people that are making arguments around that. But nobody can say, hey, when this happened in the past, it, was, it warranted removal, so therefore what's happening now warrants removal because of that, or therefore what, what's happening now doesn't warrant removal because the precedent doesn't support it. So that's, we're all kind of flying blind here because there's no precedent to guide us as far as what what type of behavior requires removal and what doesn't constitute something that warrants removal. No, and that's that's a great point. I think therein lies probably the other part because, uh, you know, you have the facts and, and the realities and then you have the perceptions. And I think the battle right now that we're seeing, which is, it's unfortunate. I think this is why a lot of people, no matter where they lie in the, in the argument of agreeing or disagreeing whether the president should be impeached, um, and potentially removed from office, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the battling for the opinions that is so, uh, turns a lot of people off. I think the politicians on both sides trying to get the attention to make their case since this is so unprecedented and since we don't have, you know, these, these, uh, some sort of precedent as to how this should proceed in a sense. You know, the idea, what I'm seeing is the idea of the norms and the laws that, that, that I guess, people like us, right, the, the last couple generations of, of, of life have seen in this country, those are what are getting tested right now. And that's why I feel like this is a very interesting historical moment because I'm not one of these hair-on-fire people, oh, you know, if, if, if they let the president get away with this, this changes the landscape forever. Uh, or if he's removed from office, somehow that's a violation. I more feel like this is interesting, and depending on how far or not this is allowed to go, um, we will just have maybe a new precedent set that will lead to other things that are unforeseen. Yeah, so I mean, that's, those, that's those kind other, of my thought. 
those things know. could be better or worse. Most likely, right. I mean, in my view, most likely it would be worse um, because I do believe that you cannot concentrate the power of, uh, you know, too much power in one person's well, hands. Well, let's and get into that then and go well, from my next question for you. Feet, yeah, well, then, well, my next question for you, uh, like, what Donald Trump is, acu- is accused of is using his the power of his office to coerce a foreign government to in, open an investigation or announce an investigation against his perceived political rival, who he believes he will need to defeat to stay in power another four years um, and so he's using the power of his office, money that was allocated by Congress and legally is required to be distributed to this country, which, which is an ally of ours as they defend against incursions from Russia. All that stuff is side, but it's it's relevant side stuff. But nonetheless, ultimately, the money was designated by Congress to go there. Trump illaw- unlawfully, excuse me, held up the money and trying to exchange or in trying to extract concessions from them, saying, "I want you to announce an investigation against." Uh, the the Bidens, you know, again for for his purposes to 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 benefit his political standing or his what he believed would benefit his political standing. That's what he's accused of doing. Do you if he, if that is true, you know, regardless, let's let's not even get into weighing evidence right now. But just if that's true, is that something? What, what do you think should happen there? Does is that warrant impeachment, which again is the actual formalization of a charge, and does that warrant removal, which is actually removing? From office, in your well, view, let's let's let because you said something very uh, important there, which is he violated the law and holding up the aid. So let's, without getting into a whole history lesson here, there's something. Well, you touch on the, that briefly, yeah, but the, I do want to get to your thought. Yeah, no, though. I will. And that's why I think it's important for the audience because this is what happens with this whole argument is that everybody kind of talks. That's why you know we definitely don't want to be like cable news here and um, just just all this talking. But what what really happened? There's a law um, that was um, you know created and signed into law in the 1970s called the Impoundment Control Act. And what that is um, basically a law that says that if Congress appropriates money for something that the president or administration just can't not follow, you know, implement, you know, or, or I say applying that money for what was legislated. Because remember, this goes back to the Constitution. Congress writes One of Congress's enumerated powers is the distribution of money. One thing to know about the Constitution is that, well, let me say this, because one thing, the the Constitution grants powers to the branches of government, uh, the federal government. Article one grants powers to Congress. Article two grants powers to the president. And in this case, we'll just deal with those two. All, any power that's not specifically given to one of these bodies of our government, they don't have. The, The rest of the power, the Constitution says this, they're either left to the states or they're left to the people. So you can't do something that's not enumerated for you in the Constitution as if you're in one of these branches of government. So it's, it, we're, we're a, a nation of limited government, so to speak. It's not that they have all the power unless it says they don't. It's that they have no power except what it says they do. And so in, even in the Constitution, the president isn't given the power to do this. So you could say it's violating that too, but not all of that aside though, I mean, is, do, do you think this is something that warrants uh, impeachment, you know, formal charges being brought and and being heard and and or removal or one but not well, the other and why? Yeah, and here's the thing. So if we if we recognize that a law has been broken, uh, the Impoundment Control Act, then one that then it sets up the next question, which is what do you do if a president breaks the law? Really, the question. That's why I say it's to American people. Do we want to have a situation where going forward a president can? call on foreign countries out in the open 
to go ahead and 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 uh, kind of attack American citizens that he has a problem with, whether they're political rivals or not. And also, does the president have the ability to totally obstruct Congress when they are asking something within their legal purview? So that's where it comes back to the opinion, because the people who are saying that this isn't enough for impeachment and all that are people that have the opinion that they like the president and they don't care, you know, the whole thing of get over it. Those that don't, that think he should be impeached, that don't agree with these actions, you know, don't think that this is good and that this behavior is warranted. So the question really is, I don't think... Nah, it's like, man. Like, look, are you a man of principle, Tunde? Yeah. So Okay, some people aren't. Say, now, some people aren't. Now, no, as a man of principle, do you think that th that type of conduct warrants impeachment if impeachment is the only way to hold a president account for, for wrongful actions? Yeah, if, the, I mean, if, it, if impeachment is the only way, then yes. You know, my issue, honestly, what I have is that I disagree with this Justice Department memo from the 70s about a president, you know, kind of being untouchable from the law while he's in office, because I think what that does is, unfortunately, it leads to kind of behavior that can become like this, someone feeling that they are above the law. And I think the unique thing we have with President Trump is he's the first president ever that we've had that had the, has had this personality that, that, that he's bigger than the system. And so I think that's part of what plays into this is that, you know, himself personally, he seems to be believe that he's not shackled by kind of the norms of our systems and, and all that. And then, you know, I think that he's created such an emotional stir in his supporters and his detractors that, you know, his supporters basically have elevated him past, I think, a president at this point um, that, that, that deserves to be checked and balanced. And, you know, some of his detractors have elevated him past the point of a human being and maybe more to like a demon. So I think it's, it's it, again, that's why we're so but I don't, polarized. I, just, I don't see the benefit of talking about the extremes on either side. Like, let's talk about the people who well, are Well, because thoughtful. I think that... Like, that, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to talk to the people no, that I'm are extremes either, on either but side. I think that but the then why, is, let's, not well, even, well, let's not even spend a lot of... We just spent no, but, 10 minutes talking about the unreasonable people among us, and we spent is, no time talking about the people who really want to think about it. Like, because, Jimmy, the, the problem is, is that... The, the, the unreasonable people are the ones leading this discussion, so we can't not pay attention to them. I agree with you that no, neither side will be swayed on the extreme side, but in talking to the people in the middle, I'm more saying it in the sense of kind of like watch out for all these extreme kind of uh, sentiments when you're watching the news and all that, because that seems to be all that's getting out. Well, you have to these keep in mind, though, this is one thing, this is just in dealing with people. Um, in any group, you're going to have, and, and the numbers, you know, people use different numbers, but you're going to have 10% crazy on either side and 80% yes. in the middle or 20% crazy on either side and 60 in the middle. And bad leadership, bad, um, you know, thought leadership or whatever spends all their time on the 10, 10s on the ends or 20s on the ends and none of their time trying to communicate with the 80 in the middle or the 60 yeah. in the middle. And my concern is that's all we're doing now is we're just saying, oh, well, these people on this side are saying this, these people on this side are saying this. But what about the people who just want to look at this, want to understand what's going on from a reasonable standpoint, want to try to be fair? Yeah. That's all I'm trying. That, that's what I'm trying no, to get so to. And I mean, from my standpoint, for me, when I look at this, um, I believe if, if what he said is or what, what is being he's being accused of is true, I believe it warrants impeachment. Um, now, it warrants impeachment because, as you pointed out, the only way to hold a president accountable when they are doing things that are in violation of the Constitution, I put that up well above the law. You know, whether he violated the law is secondary to me because 
the Constitution is the law of the land, the ultimate law of the land. That supersedes any law on the books. Laws on the books can be overturned if they're unconstitutional. Justice Department memos aren't worth a piece of paper they're printed on relative to the Constitution. So if he's doing things that are not justified under his powers that are granted to him by the Constitution, then we need to hold him accountable. If we do not, then the precedent actually is set the other way. Then he establishes a precedent for doing things beyond what he's entitled to do. And so the next time either he or another executive, another president, wants to do other things that aren't enumerated in the Constitution, they'll point to this and say, look, when Trump did stuff that he wasn't that wasn't enumerated to him in the Constitution, that were exceeded the scope of his presidential powers, it was okay. We, you, it, the, the country endorsed it. And so therefore, how could you tell me I can't do this stuff also? And so my concern is making precedent the wrong way. And if we do not, if we want to have a government that is accountable to each other, then the branches of government have to hold each other accountable. And in this case, that means Congress has to impeach the president. Now, removal is a whole nother issue. And I, I, once you, the, the question for impeachment is whether he, whether his actions constitute are sufficiently violation of the Constitution and any laws or anything like that that warrants him being put on trial. That's the question for impeachment. He definitely warrants being put on trial. The question for removal, interestingly enough, also comes down to how well the House of Representatives can make their case. Now, we know it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Senate's not going to remove him. We understand that. Um, many members of the Senate have already stood up and said they don't care what comes out. They're not voting to remove the president. And in that sense, there's, there's a point there, an underlying point that I want to mention, and that is that for, for 40 years in talk radio and 20 years on cable news, the, the, the Republican media apparatus, their conservative media apparatus, has explained and, and, and trumpeted this thing that the liberals in the country and the media of the country are your enemy. And so I truly believe and I truly see that the there are many people in our country that look at the impeachment process that's going on right now as an enemy of the country trying to take out a duly elected leader of the country. And in that, if you look at it from that standpoint, then what Trump did clearly doesn't warrant impeachment. There's nothing that Trump could do that would make me say that Vladimir Putin could remove him from office as our enemy. You know, I like so if you look at your fellow countrymen as your enemy and you see what they're doing to Donald Trump, then you're like, well, yeah, that this isn't enough. You know, to, to remove him because these guys are our enemy. We can't have these guys, this, this enemy, these liberals, this liberal media removing the president for any reason. But that aside, though, the if, if the, we know the Senate is most likely not going to do it no matter what's being said. But in any event, the precedent has to be set that if you do these certain things that exceed your power, you will be impeached. And if the political winds are different at that time, then you may be removed because it creates a deterrent the next time a president's sitting in the room with his advisors and saying, hey, let's let's hold up this money or, hey, let's cancel Election Day or hey, all these different things that they may want to do that vastly exceed the scope of their authority. So that is, you know, from my standpoint, that's an opinion, but it's not an opinion for the, the, the fringes of society. And I don't think everybody's coming from the fringe. I don't take Adam Schiff as coming from the fringe. Now, I don't think he's been overly skillful the whole time as far as his strategy, which I do want to get into the strategy of how they've done this. But he's coming from, he appears to me to be coming from a place of he's trying to uphold the rule of law. And upholding the rule of law means that if somebody is going outside of their authority, that you have to hold them for account. Yeah, no, and 
You said it great. And I think, um, you know, look, do I think that what the president did is right in the facts that we know and that he said? I don't think so. I mean, he said on his in the interview with the guy, you know, on whatever channel and six, seven months ago, when the guy asked him straight up, if a foreign government came to give you dirt on an opponent, would you call the FBI? And he's like, well, I don't know. I mean, my thing is, look, Am I naive enough to think that he might be the first president or U.S. politician ever to get help ever in the history of the United States from a foreign country or some, or maybe not just a foreign country, let's say a private entity that just was, well, you know, had a lot of, you know, money and not, not only from, let's say, the public trust. No, I'm sure presidents have done that in the past. And I, and I hate to say that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's happened before. The difference with this administration, which I think makes me appreciate you know, people like Dick Cheney for being real players in the game is they're just sloppy. You know, they keep getting caught with their hands in a cookie jar every time. They're sloppy so, because they don't care. They don't yeah, think that and, they and need so, to adhere to the law. Again, trying to get it to 30,000 feet, this is where we got to take the emotion and the ego out of it and say, what kind of system do we want? Do we want this to become regular? Because if this is allowed to stand, this will be regular because this is what people will do when they're in power and what politicians will do to maintain power on both sides of the aisle. Power and the, and the desire to stay in power is not immune to a political ideology. Liberals and conservatives will do it. Absolute so, power and, corru corrupts absolutely. That's, correct. that's and, well known. And, and so if, if, unless you only like saying that when your side is not in power, then you've got to look in the mirror uh, as an American voter, an American citizen. Yeah, and if you only say that when, you know, if, if you're only doing that when it's your, whether it's your party or not, then you're not someone who is here to protect and defend the Constitution, because the Constitution is not a Republican or a Democratic thing, you know? Right. So, you know, and that's, that's kind of the, the disconnect that, that we see that we want to try to avoid. And I, but I reject um, the attempt to equate it. Like, I don't think that saying that um, they're, the Trump defenders are, they're, 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 they're saying, oh, it doesn't matter what he does. And, but then there's also these other people that are controlling what's going on on the left that don't care what's going on. They're just out for, uh, for Trump no matter what. I do believe there are people on the left like that, but they're not the ones in charge. That's not Schiff. That's not Matt Naylor. You know, like that is the people who have been trying to impeach Trump since day one, which I, I think those people are part of the problem as well. Yeah, you know, like they, those people make the issue cloudy when it becomes, when he does do criminal conduct, then the Republicans can rightfully say, well, you guys have just been trying to impeach him the whole time because yeah. there's been people on the left talking about impeaching him the whole time. It's like, well, hold on. Let's impeach him for the things he does. You know, let's not just impeach him as soon as he gets elected. So those people are part of the problem as well. But I don't equate it because those aren't the people who are in charge on the Democratic Party side. You know, those aren't the people who are making policy on the Democratic Party side. The people who will defend Trump, no matter what he does, are the people in charge at the Republican side. Now, that's not to say that there aren't any good faith arguments. And this is where, when I said that the whether it warrants removal is a separate question, one that's being answered. I mean, I do think that how well the, 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 the House managers make their case at the Senate matters in terms of whether it warrants removal. They have to make a good case. You know, like you can, and maybe I say this because I'm an attorney, but you can have a strong case and bungle making the case. And then you say, hey, you got, you got to make a better case than that. You have to do better, a better job. Um, and so one of the, the pieces that and we saw this already yesterday, you know, being the, the 25th, where Trump's people are saying is that, hey, no matter what, this conduct doesn't warrant removal. And that, that it's actually a good faith argument. And I, I, that's not just blind defense 
And the reason you could say that's a good faith argument is because what we talked about before with precedent, there is no precedent that says for sure what warrants removal and what doesn't. And then if you look even deeper, Republicans have been known to play funny with elections for decades. You know, like the, the, the whole civil rights and voting rights, excuse me, legislation was enacted or, you know, that that was implemented in large part over the last 40 years to prevent the southern states, which pursuant to the southern strategy that Nixon implemented, became Republican, prevent them from having shenanigans with voting, you know, with voters and so forth. And so the question of whether trying to influence, trying to use your power to influence um, or to, to, to attack your political opponent um, and use a foreign government at that, which that, that's an aggravating factor. Truth be told, Trump shouldn't be able to use domestic power. To, he yeah. shouldn't be able to, to direct the, the, the attorney general to investigate do, uh, uh, excuse me, Joe Biden either. He shouldn't be telling anybody to investigate Joe Biden because he thinks that's going to be his opponent in the next political election. Like, so the, the, it's an aggravating factor that he used a foreign government, one that we're supposedly allied, allied with, and one that is fighting a battle that they need that stuff, a battle that is we want if we want to expand freedom. So, but the question of whether that is something that warrants removal is an open question. Um, if, if doing that, if trying to, to initiate investigation, using your power, using your elected, you know, your power that you're supposed to use to protect and defend the Constitution, using that power to increase your odds of winning your next election, if that warrants in, in removal from office, I wonder, you know, if voter suppression efforts warrant removal for, for lower politicians around the country that who clearly either use, whether it be gerrymandering, you know, or whether, which will be deemed unconstitutional from time to time, or pure acts of voter suppression, where you're just throwing people off the rolls and, and different things like that. Things that have, have, after the fact, been determined to be unlawful. I wonder if that stuff warrants. So there is a mindset where you say, hey, these, these election games, yes, we, we, you shouldn't be allowed to do it, but if you get caught doing it, it's not something that warrants removal. I don't agree with that. I think that the ultimate power that we, the people, have is at the election. And if our elected officials are screwing around with the elections, they need to get out of office. Like that, that's period. I think that the people who, if, if you if you violate any law in any kind of voter suppression action, then I think you should be kicked out of office as well. You know, like I, so anything you're messing with the vote, the vote is the most sacred thing we have. Without the vote, we are no longer a, a nation of the people, by the people, and for the people. Because if, once the elected officials control the vote, then they are no longer have to be responsive to our needs. So you can't confuse what may be a good faith argument to saying that we sh- this doesn't warrant removal with meaning that it for sure doesn't warrant removal. It warrants removal, but that is an opinion. That's an opinion on, as you pointed out, Tunde, how you see America. What do you see America as? Do you see your right to vote as a sacred thing that if somebody screws with that, then they, they need to get out of the paint? Or do you think that is something that is a political football that if you know people play with it one way or the other, not that big of a deal, we'll just let it keep, keep it moving? Part of this is why, to me, the opinions are so important. I think part of this divide that we're seeing in terms of support or detraction of impeachment of the president does come down to the the opinion of the audience, right? Like some people just think that, and I think you said it best earlier in the show, unfortunately, the last 30 or 40 years of the media and ecosystem has driven such a wedge in this country between uh, perceived conservatives and perceived liberals. And when I say perceived, I say that very specifically because I think probably 80, most Americans agree 80% on stuff. 
you know, most people want to just be left alone. They want to work. They want to make a good wage. They want to feel fulfilled in their life. They want to pay their mortgage. They want to raise their kids and every, you know, in a safe environment without gunshots and without a bunch of crime. And generally people just kind of want to be left alone, I think, is, and be happy. And somehow you've got, and this is what I mean by the power structures on, uh, you know, every, you know, the power structures keep vying for everyone's opinion and the current outlets of those, you know, ways to form the opinion are talk radio, cable news, and, and in the last 10 years or so, the internet through social media, Facebook ads and all that. And I think that's why I'm just sad because it's like, we don't have to be here. We don't have to be in all this polarization. And that's why I, I kind of stopped looking at people like Donald Trump and all these politicians and Adam Schiff. I just look at American people and say, why are we allowing ourselves to be led around by the nose by all these people? Because we're easier to control this way. No, I agree. It's just, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's like it's sad. That's why I've retreated out away from it and then got off social Tunde. media. Tunde, and, and you've done the exact opposite of retreated away. You're doing a podcast You're now. right, sir. I appreciate <laughs> that's, that. That's stepping up to the plate, trying to make I, a difference. I, I, I retreated from the shotgun-esque of, of cable news and, 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 and the Facebooks and all that. And you're right. Concentrated my energy into this. So, you know, I think... Um, with that said, I think we've said a lot today. Well, I want to get, uh, get back to the discussion on the actual impeachment. There's some things we, we need to talk about if we're, if we're going to say that we talked about this. Um, one would be, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but just the battle for the new witnesses um, that we, we see, like wh whether new witnesses, whether or witnesses that didn't testify in the House should come into the Senate proceeding, whether evidence that didn't come into the House should come in. Um, did you have any thoughts on that in terms of that fight? More so from a strategic standpoint. I don't think you really need to analyze, you know, people's motivations or anything like that. But just that fight, what's going on, and in the backdrop of what what he's been accused of, also though. And you know, what does that say about the side, everybody's strategies and things like that? I don't know, man. It's it's again. I think everybody is is jockeying their strategy based around what they believe is what the audience will will want to hear. So. And this is what I mean by if you watch Fox versus, let's say, MSNBC, just to pick on those two, because uh, I, I think CNN can't figure out what they're trying to be. At least those two are open about being conservative and liberal. Um, but it's like two different realities. On, on Fox is primarily, you know, the Republican politicians trying to convince their base of why it's a witch hunt or why we need to support the president. And these are the same people that a lot of them that we saw saying, you know, during the, 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 the primaries of the Republican primaries in 2016, how bad Trump was. And yeah. these people were never, never Trumpers. Now, that, that, you know, they're defending him because, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend in a sense, you know, going back to an old war terminology, which is, you know, I might have not liked Donald Trump, but I hate Democrats and liberals even more. So now yeah. that they're going to go after him, then I got to I got to buttress him because in the transactional nature of, of, of certain relationships, right? Like maybe, and I've had this said to me by a lot of my friends who support President Trump to this day. They don't like the tweets. They see that he's a narcissist and he's got the grandiosity disease, all that stuff. But they, it's a transaction. They'll take that in exchange for the judges, the tax cuts, um, what they perceive as going back to a more conservative stance politically in this country. So... Um, I think that when you look at it from that side of the table, that's what the, the politicians dealing with impeachment in the, in the Congress and, and the Senate, they're running to the media outlets where they feel that the, their, their, um, their voters 
because it's not just voting people that vote for president of the United States, but it's the constituents of those in the Senate and the Congress that they're trying to keep on their side. And then I feel like the same thing with MSNBC. If you go on that, you know, watch that show, it's all Democratic politicians doing the same thing, trying to steer their viewers and their constituents into why they're right. So again, that's why it's just sad to me because, um, you know, like I think we just spent, you know, a long time here talking about what we see and how we feel and that it's, it's not an easy decision to say this. And I don't like saying this because again, I think we said this on another show about another topic. No matter how I feel about my own politics or a certain president, I refuse to be the type of person like I saw um, certain attractors of the last president. I'll just not 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 to um, embrace Obama, but just because he was the most recent, you know, prior president. When we saw like the leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, say, "My only goal is to be a one-term president," or or for him to be a one-term president. Or when Rush Limbaugh said, "I hope he fails." Um, I don't hope Donald Trump fails. I'm American, but, but that's I'm, a I'm false living. equivalent, man. You don't well, have to. You don't have to want him to fail to to no, demand but that's what that I'm he saying, follows Jimmy. the law. I'm just I'm just making a point to the audience that I'm saying what I'm saying with gravity. That yeah, I think what he did warrants impeachment because it's just bad to use your office in in those two ways. One is I, I think it's bad to start calling on foreign leaders, and again, it's not just bad; it's the sloppy nature. He did it with 12 people in the room. Like, this is just like, this is just this, this, this attitude of this brazenness is not good for us to have as a leader in this country. The second thing is obstruction of Congress. Again, whether I like Congress or not under this Democratic leadership doesn't matter if I put my ego away and say, do I think it's right? Does, for, yeah, does, this, does, does it, Congress have the authority to serve as a check? on a president. And if correct. so, then he has to cooperate when correct. they're investigating him. And, like and, that's and, actually, I wanted to, to say something on the new evidence piece. That actually is what makes that particularly relevant. Um, now, there's two battles that are being fought there. One is that the House did not, in fact, exhaust every means that it could in order to try to get all everyone to testify and all of the documents. They requested them in most cases. They didn't request Bolton. They didn't subpoena Bolton. But in most cases, they did request or subpoena the relevant information and, and Trump stonewalled them, which forms the basis of this obstruction or part of the basis of this obstruction of Congress charge. Um, now, the, it, it, the House managers and many on in the Democratic side are trying to get the Senate to request this information as well. Um, and there, there's a there's a good faith to say, hey, you should have exhausted every avenue you had um, at the House. Why, why are you have, if you guys gave up? Why are you going to turn around and have the Senate do it? That that's that's a good faith. I don't think that's controlling. That's a good faith argument. It's like, well, hold, hey guys, like, why didn't you do it when you guys were sitting around doing the investigation? Why didn't the investigator do it? Why are you having the court do it? You know, and so that's one thought, but. It underlies that that omits the the whole point that part of the charge against Trump is that he's not cooperating with anyone. And yeah. so it shouldn't be on the Congress, on the House of Representatives, as part of their investigation to take all this stuff to the Supreme Court. They asked for it. Trump refused. And at that point, it becomes issue an issue for the, the, the trial, so to speak, on whether or not his refusal was rightful. And if his refusal wasn't rightful, then you got to bring it in now. And yeah. so that's the, the, the thing. So it's a strategy play, though. And like I said, there, there's, it's multi-layer, though, because that is, it's a distraction, but it is a legitimate point saying, House, you should have done this when you guys were doing the investigation. But again, it overlooks, we tried, <laughs> but yeah. he wouldn't do it. And so therefore, we had to bring a charge against him for not doing it. But that's where, again, the opinions get murky, right? I mean, that's a valid opinion. Like you said, the House should have done it but then the fact is 
the house was obstructed. So now they're doing this is, and you know, so they're, it's not a valid, it's a valid opinion on the surface, but it's, it, yeah, it, but that's it, what I'm saying. It, it but that's why the public, yeah, that's why the public is so confused because when you hear it like that, you're right. If I'm, if I'm just John Q public that doesn't have, you know, the interest or the time to get in the weeds with all this stuff. And I just am walking by a TV that happens to have a Senator saying that like, yeah, well, why didn't they get this in the house? My opinion is going to be like, yeah, what are they picking on the president for? They should have got this in the house. And, well, that's and- the, that's the key, Tunde. That it, that soundbite. If you are inclined to support Trump, that's all you need to hear. No, but that's and then, my point. It's saying yeah. that it's sad because if you turn on Fox, it's just you know the, the one one narrative coming out, and if you turn on MSNBC, it's another narrative coming out. Correct. And no one, correct. And that's my point of this whole thing of the way that I'm speaking today is in why I'm kind of trying to be just that frustrates you. Is, yeah. Yeah, it's because. The 80 percent that are pragmatic that probably would agree on what I think most of us in our norms would think is right or wrong um, are being bifurcated. And it goes back to the old divide and conquer. Right. If, if yeah. Americans are divided, then someone's going to conquer us. And that someone is whoever you think. Right. It could be yeah. Trump. It could be the Russians. It could, it be, could Democrats. be internal or yeah, external. Exactly. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, but that's it takes away our power. I mean, but no, you're, you make a good point. I'll say this, though. This is the. You're 100% correct. It's, it's, you know, like that's what's happening is that, you know, each side, their strategy is to play to the people who are inclined to be receptive to their message. It's not to persuade other people for the most part. Um, now, the, the House, are, they seem to be trying to do some persuasion. But again, there's a very narrow group of people that would even be open to hearing that stuff. Uh, but, you know, honestly, this is kind of how... Um, adversarial systems work. It's just interesting that the public is a part of that adversarial system now. It's yeah. not just the the political leaders that are part of it, that are, you got the, the one one uh, partisan side arguing one side, one partisan side arguing another. It's actually the public that are saying, look, I don't care what all of the operable facts are. Give me something that supports what I want to believe and then I'll run with that. And, and then the strategies on each side seem to play with yeah. that. I, think, um, I don't think that's new in politics, but I do think that what, what helps create the, the even more murkier scene is just the new technology, the, the, the social media, all that, where it's almost like a race between now both political parties as to who can get information out first, whether it's factual or not. Yeah, and, and well, of, yeah, because there's no shared. There's no. There's not three networks that everybody gets their news. Correct. From, you know, yeah. and so it, you, everybody can get their own narrative out and, and repeat that narrative as often as they can, and, and that definitely allows you to 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 kind of tunnel people into certain factual, quasi factual even, but uh, mindsets, and then it, from that, that's all they need. Anything yeah. else they can reject. Just because that's how the mind works, and so and that also that 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 that's how you see as throughout this whole process. If you go back to to our first episode when we talked about you know the how this is a threat to our American experiment, how as more information, more damning information has come out when when people are testifying that, that what was the, the 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 gentleman that was on the call, you know, Vinny, yeah. I believe, that was on the call and said, hey, this is what happened. This isn't the, this transcript doesn't say everything that was happening, and stuff like that comes out, and in the face of that. The people who don't want impeachment or who don't want removal, their their support hardens in yeah. the fact of more evidence. More evidence yeah. makes them become more rigid in their position, which shows you that the facts, all of the facts, the the, the taking the, the totality of the circumstance, isn't what's guiding decision making in large part. It what's it, you just got to get 
to the people who are inclined to believe with believe you or who want to support you. You have to get something to them that allows them to to go with what they want to believe anyway. Yeah. You know? no, the sad part is, I mean, it's, everything you're saying makes me honestly think about something like the O.J. Simpson case and trial. Yeah. And it's like 25 years later, here we are, that this has now permeated itself up to the the the, the um, kind of national level politics and office of the president, meaning this 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 polarization and the difference between facts and the way that the um, case well, it's is all fun. facts. Yeah, it's yeah. all and like whether it's because you can selectively pull facts and that's what's happening. It's not like nobody feels like they have the responsibility to give you both sides and both no, sides, and, and, not opinion, both sides, but both sides, all of the facts. But but also I feel like the reason why it's so specific to the OJ example is, you know, there was so much emotional heat brought into that trial where, and I'll say this as a, you know, a black American that, um, you know, a lot of black folks deep down aside kind of believed that OJ was guilty at the time. But because of all the wrongs between the justice system and the black community leading up to that point, it was almost like this is our one time to have a guy that's kind of in the spotlight. And, and he was exonerated by the law. This is so rare that so many people were jubilant where if you ask anybody today in 2020, I mean, 99% of people will tell you, yeah, I think he did it. I mean, I know that a lot well, more a, facts have come out since then, but it's even, a good even, parallel. Yeah, because even after the trial, I used to think, well, how come no one's looking for the supposedly other killer? You know, like <laughs> and I think, and, I, and, and the reason why I equate it is a lot of the Trump base, again, I said this a lot, you know, 10 years ago during the financial crisis, that what the Tea Party represented was you know, and lack of a better term, the first time that white Americans felt like niggers. And I hate to say it like that, but meaning that the banking system, you know, worked against them, the, 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 the system, the layoffs, all that. Um, and what I feel like today is a similar thing where a lot of people that are Trump-based supporters, they're, they're good people. They just feel like they, they've kind of been left out of the of the situation in this country over the last generation or two. Well, they have, and and yeah, and with rightfully so. But it's I'm not, just I'm not, not it's not that. the black folks that are the black folks right, are the reason. Yeah, <laughs> correct. And so what happens is here's their guy, and a lot of them, you know, when I talk to a lot of my friends that are conservative one on one, they'll be like, "Yeah, well, I know." I'd like they'll but they'll admit they believe that that there was some funny stuff with Russia, and they acknowledge that his behavior towards Putin and it's kind of suspect and all that. But they'll never say it in public because he's their guy and this is their chance to just stick it to everybody else for once. And that's what I'm saying. It reminds me of OJ because, again, a lot of black folks kind of, you know, didn't think that he was so innocent. But if with the emotional kind of history of, of police brutality and lynchings and killing, because remember that was in an the 90s. unfair and unfair treatment at the criminal yeah. justice system. Exactly. Because that's what I'm saying. It was the 90s. You're only talking about 20, 30 years you know, before things like lynchings were happening like regularly and, and there was no um, um, uh, repercussion for it. So there was a lot of that, that, that angst and that memory. And I think the same thing here, which is a lot of things that have happened in the manufacturing sector with jobs and all that and, and, and with wages over the past, let's call it 20 or 30 years. And whether one agrees with it or not, a lot of people believe that Trump is a guy who's looking out for them. With, with all these forces, that, or he tells them what they want to hear, and yeah. he knows that the people, or the, the the people that they don't like, he is demonstrably he demonstrably so, shows contempt for them. Correct. And so they like that too. It's like yo, he, he really sticks it to the liberals. He really sticks it to the yeah. media. People love that. And you know? so, 
exactly and so just like the oj example whether whether he's really guilty of the crime or not matters less when you have ginned up emotional support in that way because then it's no longer about well did the president do this and is he wrong or right or whatever it's it for the for the fans and the base it's you're now so going what? Against, i like him yeah, yeah and i also, like him so it's like, and, and it goes back to like you said about uh, democrats and the liberals being painted as the enemy it's it's you're attacking my values my you're attacking me in a sense by attacking him and that's where I think it, it's it's just interesting. You're attacking my feel good even more. Yeah, you know, you're you're yeah, attacking and, the guy. That, so and, 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 and I'll ego, say one yeah. other thing. I'll say one other thing on, on this because the analogy actually the the more you think about it, the better it is. The other good piece here yeah, is that exactly. in the, the prosecution in the OJ case didn't do a good job of making their case. You exactly. know, and that's what that's the worry here as far as the at the house and how at the house and the investigation and then the house managers is like, hey. These guys aren't doing a great job of making their case. Like it's it's it, and so you wonder if and that's why I say getting to removal. I got to see the case they make before I just like it, if if they're able to prove all of this stuff. You know, if they get Bolton up there and he says, yeah, yeah, this is what's going on, or if they get Mulvaney on on the under oath and he says, of course it was a quid pro quo, then yeah, then it's like yeah, this guy should be removed. But if they don't get any of that stuff and none of that stuff hits the record, then it's like oh well, I also don't want a precedent of where we have all this information that's not on the record and somebody can be removed from office for that stuff. You got to make your case. Yeah, yeah. And so in OJ, the prosecution did not do a good job of making their yeah. case. And in this case, there's a concern that, the, that they're not going to do a good job making their case. And, and so that's what, you know, we can, we can leave it at there today because that's what we're going to see now over the next few weeks is whether or not a good case is being made and, and a case that can establish a precedent saying, hey, if this, is, if this stuff is proven, if this stuff is shown by the weight of the evidence, then you're out. Then no, if that's the kind of case that can be made, you know, we're going to see. And that's why I think, you know, the, my whole kind of demeanor in this conversation has been started with that whole thing about norms, because you're right. At the end of the day, the laws and, and our, our, it's almost like our culture is, is actually not, not real. It's, it's all just based on our shared perception and what we agree are values that are good or bad. And that's why I, I made the example about, you know, a president in the 18, early 1800s maybe would have been impeached for something that today would have not been seen as an issue. So it's just, you know, that's well, I mean, why I said whether the, how this plays out will lead to a new potential way that we deal with things like this in our culture or it won't, depending on how this all plays out. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, so, you know, um, yeah, there. I mean, from that we can, we can, you know, definitely close this up now, you know, close up part one. Now definitely check out part two of this discussion, which we'll release in a couple of days, which, you know, we get into the jailing of a, of a Chinese student uh, for tweets so they sent while they were in America. Robert Downey Jr.'s comments on blackface and Tropic Thunder, um, the, the, the pollution in our water that is going to be there forever, and um, the disconnect, you know, that, that's, that we see in, in the keto diet um, and, you know, between experts and the people that are actually doing it. So um, definitely check that out. You know, de- we appreciate you being here, sitting through this one with us. Uh, so until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Golana. All right, subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you next time.